buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation, a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. All right, welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. And of course, I've got a fantastic guest. Uh, this is somebody I've, I've wanted to have on the show for a while, and we are finally making it happen. So today I've got Ethan Butte. He's the chief evangelist over at BombBomb. Uh, what the heck is the chief evangelist? We're going to learn about that. He's also the host of the Customer Experience Podcast and has an awesome book that's coming out called Human Centered Communications and Rehumanize Your Business. So Ethan Butte has spent his past decade helping people communicate, connect, and convert more effectively using video messages, which you guys all know I'm a big fan of videos. So Ethan, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for the invite, Colin. It's been great to connect uh, virtually, and it's great to see you on screen today. Yeah, awesome. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. I got to experience using Bomb Bomb recently for the first time, and uh, it was a pretty good experience. And we exchanged a few videos back and forth, and it was kind of fun. And now we can get you know get to learn a little bit more about you, uh, what you do as the chief evangelist. I hope we can talk about the book a little bit, and then maybe we'll save a little bit of time to geek out on video. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> so tell me kind of, you know, where, uh, where it all sort of started for you, uh, you know, at BombBomb or what you were doing prior to BombBomb. Yeah, I think something that not very many people can say is that I've been at the same software company for a decade. My 10 year anniversary was like a couple of weeks ago, which is just nuts in hindsight. And uh, yeah. so prior to joining the team, I ran marketing inside local television stations Um in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Chicago, and out here where I am now in Colorado Springs. And I was just bored of that work. And so I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And I met the two co-founders of BombBomb, just really liked what they were up to. So this is like 2009, 2010, and um, started doing project work for them and joined them full time. So I was the first and only marketer for a couple of years, um, mm -hmm. brought on our CMO, Steve Passanelli, who's an awesome guy. And I knew him for a little bit uh, before he even joined the company. And so we built the team out together, built the marketing function. And uh, at some point, about two years ago, we realized we needed and wanted a chief evangelist. And so that was just, I was the guy for that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what, was the, what was the team like? Like, what were you employee number what over at Bomba? Uh, I think six. Um, and by attrition now, maybe five. Uh, and, and again, we... Um, I was doing project work for them part time while I was still working full time. I think a lot of a lot of the listeners to a show like this probably know what that's about. Like I, I'm doing this thing, but I'm also doing these two other things. I was doing project work for like four or five different companies just to kind of figure out what I really enjoyed doing, what I was good at, 
what skills were transferable because I've been doing about the same work for a long mm-hmm. time, albeit in a couple different markets and a couple different dynamics and a couple different cities. But, um, you know, I was, I was doing a lot of work for a lot of different people. And so um, I just really liked what they were about and I liked what they were doing. And I saw the vision for video messaging, which fortunately for you and me and everyone else that's participating in it has finally come to pass. And it's like, you know, broken through. And I hope that we've had, I know that we've had, uh, some part in that, uh, but we still have a long way to go in terms of video messages. So um, certainly employee five or six, something like that, maybe had a couple hundred customers and maybe half of them were paying us something. Uh, yeah. And here we are now as a, a bootstrapped organization with about 150 employees and about 70,000 customers active right now. Um, we've certainly brought more than that on over the years, but in any business, there is some churn. Uh, and so not all of them are with us today. So it's been a, the, the main thing about it is that it stayed fun and interesting and challenging. I had the same title for many years, but it was never the same job for more than six to 12 months at a time, not even close. Yeah. That's probably part of the reason you've stuck around for 10 years, right? Yeah. I mean, two dynamics in particular, one, the company has changed and evolved dramatically over that time. Um, and in that it meant new challenges, new opportunities, not just for me, but for the other senior leader, the other senior leaders on the executive leadership team, um, who I meet with every day. Um, we do deeper dives every Tuesday and, um, you know, a lot of us have been, some of them, there are like four of us or five of us that have been together for that decade. A couple more like Steve, who've been with us for seven years or so. It's like this core group of people that the whole thing has just evolved and we've evolved and learned and grown throughout that time together. And then the other one is of course that the, the space is dynamic. When this company was legally founded, the iPhone didn't even exist. And we were about a year and a half away from the first iPhone that had a video camera in it. I mean, that's how early the vision for using videos to say thank you, to follow up on appointments, to do contract renewals, to do birthdays, to do all these other like little simple, nice things that are better done in video than they are in typed out text. Like, um, and so that the idea that that visions come to pass is awesome. And so we went through kind of like two phases of market status or something. And I'm, mm-hmm. obviously this is very crude, but I'd say like for my first five years, um, it was us and some early competitors, most of whom are a dead because mm. Internet connections were garbage. Most people didn't have video cameras. This ability just to like live record a video on the fly and send it instantly wasn't yet a thing. We didn't even have a live recorder when I started with the company. You had to like record the video and then, you know, do some kind of processing and then upload it into the system and then send it out. Um, so this like speed wow. that we all have right now to do it in Salesforce, to do it in Gmail, to do it in Zendesk or Outreach or wherever else, you know, BombBomb and some of these other tools work is like that didn't even exist. The market wasn't really there. It was really like super super early pioneers. So we do have some customers who even um, uh, outdate me in terms of their start date with us as customers. Wow. Um, Like absolute visionary. So the first five years was like, who's using this? When are they using it? Why are they using it? What were they doing before? Is this an addition to what they were doing or a replacement? All that, like just that learning that I was able to do as a marketer to try to, and, you know, learning from our salespeople who are connecting with these people directly every day to learn from our customer success people about where people are struggling, falling off, all these other things. And kind of just that learning and growth, like that first five years. And and again, most of our competition in the early days did not make it. 
the most recent five years uh, up to today as we record this is a whole new set of competitors that are fortunately, like it validates the space backed by hundreds of millions of dollars in venture capital, which mm -hmm. means that in the brand name VC firms too, like the best brand name VC firms uh, in the market. Um, see the potential in this space to use video in a more personal and human and direct way. And so the past five years has been a different style of competition. It's not so much an existential competition, like can we survive this situation and will we find a market? Um, um, although we did hit the Inc. 5000 list in that, in that window. But this back half is just a different style of competition, which is it's, it's far from commoditized. I mean, there's so much room to run here, but we have a lot more competitors today than we did even three years ago. Um, and some of them are just pop-up competitors. So, but it validates the whole thing and makes, again, adds a different layer of fun and interest and challenge to the job I do every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, wow, there's a lot to unpack there, but I mean, the fact that you've been there for 10 years, awesome. I mean, there's most SaaS, a lot of SaaS companies don't even make it to 10 years. And to have people that have kind of been there from the beginning, still there having fun is huge. I mean, I definitely wasn't thinking about video 10 years ago and I sure wouldn't have the patience to like take a video, like let it process and like figure out how to even use it or send it. We used um, to have to argue with people about their like, why do I need you? I can just record a video and offload it onto my laptop and then upload it to YouTube and mark it as private and screenshot the video and put the screenshot into the email and link the screenshot over to the YouTube video. I was like... Dude, I sent 130 videos in an afternoon last week. Like, you're not going to do that. <laughs> 130, it's just brutal. Like, but, but, but it's, it's funny that, that you hearken back to that because people like, some people used to do that. They're like, well, I don't need to pay, you know, for a service. Oh, yeah. no, you don't. But what's your time worth? Yeah. And how many videos did you send last week doing that? Right. <laughs> Zero, right? Right. Um, I mean, but the 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 thing is is i think even that long ago people weren't thinking of using video to build relationships in the sales process like when did you see a big shift when more people were jumping on board realizing that like video is the way forward like video is a way to stand out video is the best I mean, we, I don't even like typing emails. Like my emails typically are scripts for my video, you know, and I'll leave the, I'll leave the text there sometimes if, and typically I'll say, here's a video. If you hate reading long emails as much as I do, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and, and whatever is below was the script for my video. So when did you see a big shift of people like being more open and, and, and wanting to use video? And when did that happen? Yeah, I mean, we've had we've had really good growth continuously throughout, and there's still, again, in in my mind, I think maximum maximum, maybe a half a million people doing this somewhat regularly, but hundreds of millions of people here on Earth are doing work that would benefit from mixing some video messages in with all the other faceless digital communication that they're creating and sending. And so we're still super early. I think the people we're, we're like, if you look at the standard tech adoption curve, um, I think we're still in the early adopter phase. We're not even getting to like the early majority. Um, we're maybe wow. somewhere on that cusp. And I think a lot of different factors are in play where it could tip quickly. Certainly the pandemic accelerated that a little bit, but I think if you see this as a, 
as a fill-in when we temporarily can't get face-to-face -face with people, you're missing the opportunity that this represents. And the opportunity is in every single time you type something out and hit send, that's an opportunity where you maybe could have added a video in place of it or in addition to it to make it better. Uh, and by better, I mean, I'll give you, give you three pieces here. Um, and then I'll also speak to the way you structured that video email as you're talking about, like using the script, yeah. the, the body of the email is the script of the, of the thing. The, the three main things, like if anyone listening is honest with themselves and they think about the emails, text messages, LinkedIn messages, and all these other things mm -hmm. that they're typing out and sending, sometimes punching in an emoticon to try to like add some personality or to make clear what you intended. By the way, research shows that emojis don't make things more clear. They're often more confusing in part because they're of fun. Like, yeah, because of the cross-platform thing, it's like, wait a minute, is he joking or is he passive aggressive here? Like, what's that smiley face about? Anyway, um, you, you're going to see opportunities to do these three things. And if you just focus on these three things, you're going to see that you have three to five opportunities a day to save some time and make a bigger impact by sending a video. One, personal connection. Whether yeah. it's someone you've never met, like you and I, Colin, going back and forth before we got on this call. I don't yeah. know when I'll meet you in person. I hope to one day. But in the meantime, I still feel like I know you. And whenever we do meet, I'm going to feel like we've already met. I've had that happen so many times with people I swap video messages yeah. with. I mean, um, even just to cut you off for one second yeah, there, yeah, yeah. even just the few video exchanges that we had back and forth before we hopped on to record. Like many times I record with people and it's the first time we've ever actually seen each other on camera. Um, but just the few exchanges of video that we had prior leading up to this set the tone where there was already a little bit of trust and rapport built where we just naturally just jumped into conversation and we're almost having too much fun where we, you know, we're going to run out of time to record. We're like, we got to do this thing or else we're just going to sit yeah. here all day, <laughs> totally. right? Which is and a perfect the, the example. Yeah. And the neat thing is for, for like salespeople who are listening, you can create that one way parasocial relationship. Even if they don't send videos back, you're going to get on these calls or show up for the meetings. and They're going to be like, Oh, Hey, Colin, right. They're going to greet mm -hmm. you like they know you, which starts the conversation in a completely different place. The other thing too, is people you haven't seen in a while, you know, we've all broken up. We don't get in front of our teams as often as, uh, as we might like to, um, or we don't get in front of our customers as often as we might like to. So anytime you want to like establish or reestablish personal connection. That's number one. Number two is emotion and tone. And this goes both positive and negative. Yeah, obviously positive is thank you. Good job. Congratulations. Mm. Like these positive things that we want to emote toward people. Faceless typed out text with a little, you know, party emoji thing is, is fine. It's better than not saying anything at all. People love to hear thank you, good job, and congratulations and similar. But when you do it in a video and you actually mean it, it's a whole different experience. And you get replies that say something like, I loved your email, which none of us ever gets unless there's a video in it. Or, oh my gosh, that totally made my day. Or that turned my day around. Or I so needed to hear that today, right? Mm -hmm. And now I'm creeping into the middle, which is like, I was thinking about you, or I was sorry to hear, or I was happy to hear, right? But then the other negative side of it is, we're all human, we're all imperfect. Um, sometimes our systems mess up, sometimes we mess up, sometimes our team members let us down. All these things happen and we need to break bad news to customers or team members yeah. or prospects or anyone else. Or sometimes we need to apologize. And when you do that in a video, you're owning up to it, especially if you're sincere, actually exclusively if you're sincere. If you don't actually care, don't send a video because people can tell the difference. 
When you need to break bad news or make an apology, doing it in video lets someone else know that you actually mean it. I can't tell you how many times as a marketer, I've sent emails that people didn't want to get. And I get mm. these angry replies. And so I reply back and like, hey, man, I am so sorry. It does me no good. And I know it doesn't do you any good to send you emails that you don't want to receive. Wanted to let you know that I personally unsubscribed you and both of the systems that we use to send emails. It will not happen again. I got to tell you, if you ever want to do, um, you know, what I'm doing now is reach out to people in a more personal and human way. Just reply back. Let me know. I'd be happy to resubscribe you in the meantime. Apologies again. Have a great afternoon. 60% of the time it works every time. <laughs> Classic quote. Um, yeah. you know, and, and that, by that, I mean, some people are just like, I, I told you, I don't want to hear from you and they don't care. But some of these other people are like, oh my, they like, there's another person on the other end of this. Yeah. Thing. They actually are sincere in their message. They actually are sorry, or they're making it good, or, um, they've broken bad news to me and they're, you know, telling me how they're working on getting back on the right track. Video is great for that. One personal connection two emotion and tone three is detail or complexity. This is best done often with a screen recording, whether you're walking through a report or a proposal or backend analytics or a contract or something like that. This ability to kind of show and tell in video brings these things to life in a way that helps people understand detail, nuance, complexity. Instead of sending that six page document and saying, hey, the document's attached, let me know if you have any questions, like screen record. What yeah. do people normally reply back and wonder about when it goes through legal? What gets redlined and why? Uh, if you negotiated something with someone and you put it in that contractor proposal, point that out. And you're not going to say this explicitly, but when you do that, what you're saying is, hey, man, I listen to you. I know what your needs and interests are, and I have accommodated those right here in this contract for our mutual benefit, right? So um, detail or complexity is another one. And so when you look at those three categories, you have multiple opportunities every day in email, in Slack, in LinkedIn, in text messages, and all these other channels mm -hmm. to be better, to help people understand, to make people feel connected to you, to get the right emotion and tone and all these other things that the visually and emotionally impoverished digital communication that we've somehow come to rely on as normal and acceptable over the past 30 years, faceless typed out text. Like we've come to accept that as good enough, but these are our most important and valuable messages. Like why wouldn't you go through a little bit of trouble to look at a couple platforms, pick the one that you like, get through your discomfort on camera and learn yep. to serve people as yourself. It's going to be a huge benefit to your career. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well said. I mean, those are three great opportunities uh, to figure out like, where should I use video? Uh, I like to use video in all interactions at, you know, biggest question that people say, well, what stage of the sales process should I use video? And I like to every tell them, one of them that has yeah. friction or confusion or an opportunity to make a bigger impact, which is all. <laughs> yeah. All yeah, of them. Yeah. Right. Another, just one more money use case. Um, after the appointment, after whether it's a discovery call or like a second or third yep. appointment, after that, typically what a, what, a, what a good rep will do is kind of like type up notes and send them over as, as a kind of a, a capture and a reminder, maybe with the next step call to action. Do that with a video. And when you do that, use their language back to them. If they're coming to you out of panic because something's on fire and you're going to help solve it, or if they're coming to you because everything's awesome and they want to make it super awesome, those are different conversations. Meet them where they are emotionally. And from that point, which you can do in a video, draw them to this amazing future where a year or two from now, after they make the commitment, 
these things are going to be even better or this problem's going to have disappeared or or whatever the case may be and the neat thing about doing it in that way is that you're giving them something they can easily forward to people who weren't in the meeting yes and now those people who are going to influence or even make the decision who were not in the meeting they know who you are you are now the trusted authority you are the one who is speaking their language emoting and meeting them where they are talking about the next step, drawing out this potential future. And it's now all associated with you and it's easy for them to forward. And this is way, why it's so much better than a traditional email. You get to see how many times the video was played and how long people watch the video. So as soon as you send one of those and you see it go from, you know, two views, which, you know, one was all the way, that was the, that was the person you sent it to and maybe another 25 or 50% view. They were just checking out another part of it again. When that bumps to five or eight or 12 views, you do not have a stalker. You have someone who forwarded you to other people. And now yeah. you don't have to rely on them to carry the opportunity forward. You get to carry, which they're the never going to do the way you want them to. Yeah. So, so it's just so many winning plays here. And I didn't get this on my last one is the, the structure of the email. I love this idea of I think text should go with every video, whether it's in LinkedIn or email or another channel, one line of text minimum to compel them to play the video. It's either a promise of value or something fun and provocative, a reason to click play, and then one line of text underneath the video to drive the call to action. Um, just to make it more approachable, but don't just send a video and expect people to watch it. Give them a reason to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. And and I even ran a little bit of an experiment. Um, geez, it must've been about three or four months ago where, cause, uh, there's a lot of people say, you know, when do I use video, you know, specifically if we're saying like prospecting, um, and a lot of people say, don't use video in the first touch. And I disagree with that. And so I wanted to, and you know, it, it highly depends on, you got to have your own experience. Number one, like, I don't know who you're targeting. I don't know what your role is. I don't know how optimized your profile is or isn't like, there's a lot of factors, um, that are going to determine how successful it is for you. Um, but you know, I, I, I went on LinkedIn and my goal, and it was right around the time when LinkedIn changed their, um, you know, how many invites you could have you used to be able to have like 500 per week, way more than anybody needs. Yeah. And they reduced it to like a hundred. Right. So everybody was kind of freaking out. And I was like, I want to run an experiment <laughs> of booking meetings with video and I'm going to send video. And I, and so what I did was I sent, I sent a video on the first touch. So I would send a connection request and not personalized, no personal note, just connect. That's it. And so what happened is I got less connections, but the first interaction that they had from me, if they accepted was a video, a 30 second video, providing value and inviting them to have a conversation if they wanted to, you know, talk about that particular thing. And so I got 50% connect, you know, accepted the connection request. Um, and then, so then I ran the same experiment for, for, for four weeks, uh, sending a personalized note and I got more connections. Uh, but I sent text in that first interaction, right? So I sent them a, you know, two, two sentence, two lines in order to get them to connect, kind of saying something similar of what I would have said in the video, if that was the mm -hmm. first touch. And so 60% accepted the connection request. Um, and then I sent a video as the second touch. Uh, but here's what happened is I got 30% less meetings when the video was the second touch. So when I sent no personalization on the connection request and video was the first interaction, I booked 30% more meetings and I was booking five, six meetings a day in some cases. That's amazing. A, I love that you experimented with it. B, I also highly respect your point that 
different people, different processes, different goals. Like everyone, everyone's showing up on LinkedIn or listening to podcasts, like hoping to get that one nugget that's going to yeah. magically solve every, like I found the answer. There's a reason it's called the Holy Grail and people refer to the Holy Grail. It's that ain't nobody got it, yeah. right? It's yeah. out there and we're searching yeah. for it. And it's this mystical yeah. thing. It's all about action. So that's why I love what you did, Colin. I think a lot of people are sitting on the sidelines with this video opportunity. Um, and there are a variety of reasons why, um, and we can get into those if we have time for it. But the one thing I'll say about it and for sure is that a lot of people are sitting on the sidelines waiting for proof. I want yeah. proof that this is different and better. I want proof. And it's like, you know, you just shared yours and we have some research of our own, but the fact of the matter is someone that's sitting back with their arms crossed, demanding proof yeah. that stepping out from your cloak of digital anonymity and presenting yourself and being who you are and introducing yourself to other human beings as we would at any kind of a social function, whether it's a kid's two-year-old birthday party where we go meet some of the other parents or whether it's you know a formal event that we paid money to be at um, and it's a professional conference or event or whatever. Why wouldn't yeah. we do that in these digital channels now that we have the opportunity to do it? And I don't care whether it's your first touch or your fourth touch, I guarantee it's going to be a net benefit to what you do. Um, and then just, I'll leave it with one tip. When you pair, if you're looking at your touch points, I always like pairing a video message with one of the other touches. So if you're making, if you're leaving voicemails, um, pair it with a video message and in the voicemail, refer to the fact that you're gonna be in their inbox or their LinkedIn messages with a personal video. And in the personal video say, I'm the dude that left you that voicemail. And like when you can reinforce and connect those things, yeah. you're creating this like, this, the whole goal is to have someone feel like, that's a real dude, he seems to understand me, it sounds kind of interesting, and uh, and I'm I would be willing to at least say yes I'm interested yes I'd get on a five minute call or yes I'd jump on a Zoom meeting or whatever the case may be and they might not do it immediately and again different people have different styles some people like to draw this out and really build a legit relationship before they start asking for things other people prefer to ask up front and if you're not really interested then you know maybe we're not going to have a relationship and neither yeah. way is like really right or wrong but. Um, there's no question that video is going to be a benefit to your process, period. It just is. As long as you're sincere and you're not just looking to take from people. That's the key right there. Um, and, and I think, you know, like I mentioned, it's really important for you to have your own experience, you know, because there's just so many variables uh, to determine like whether it's going to be successful for you. And, you know, I've seen people where they're like, oh, I send a hundred personalized video and, and I got no meetings. And it's like, okay, well, it really matters like what you said in the video. Like that's not an indicator that like using video doesn't work. And you're now going to take right. a hard stance like, on that. It's like, were you like, you know, throwing up with a sales pitch in the video? Like what were you saying in this video? Um, you know, so it highly depends like in what you said really matters is if you're really, you know, adding value and not just like trying to get them to like book a meeting. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, I mean, when people throw video out like the way that you just described, and I've heard that happen over and over again, 
they're definitely taking their crappy scripts or their cap crappy copy and paste LinkedIn connection request follow-ups, yeah. you know, that three paragraphs with two links. And we do all this amazing stuff. It's like, I can't tell you how many times I, as someone who came up in the marketing team and now serves as chief evangelist have been pitched like it services or cybersecurity. And they're not even asking, can you introduce me to the right person? They're just yeah. trying to sell me this crap. So anyway, you can't just take that stuff and put it in a video and expect it to work. But then the other layer on this is that you're throwing video under the bus when also up for scrutiny are, this is just a short list. What is the list? How did they get on yeah. there? How good is the criteria? How relevant is that criteria to what you're actually communicating? How good is the subject line? Did you give anyone a reason to play the video? What did you do with the thumbnail or the automatic animated preview that BombBomb and some of these other services create? Like there's so many factors at play yeah. here um, yeah. that people just want to say, nah. And here's the thing. I don't blame them because there are some people who are both practitioners and companies that are selling and supporting video on kind of a short myopic view, which is it's all about attention. Um, it's all about top of funnel and, and it's, it's just about being different and getting attention for that. And in the missing link there is congratulations. Someone gave you their absolute most valuable, most precious asset, their time and their attention. What did you do with it? Yeah. You know, and then, and then that begs then what's the content of the email? What's the content of the video? Um, and, and is this actually helpful or interesting or provocative or personal? Is the list like broad and generic? Um, or does it actually feel relevant to the person? Because you can do a, a video once and send it to dozens or hundreds of people. But I prefer that in that scenario, you're going to go into your system and say, these three criteria are true. These two numbers are between these ranges and this criterion is false. Um, and that's my list. And then you can speak to that person. Even if you're not going to speak to them by name, Colin Mitchell, you can speak to what you know about that person based on those. I think I just made up six things, three trues, a false and two numbers in between ranges. Um, yeah. But most people don't have the discipline for that. We're often playing the numbers game. We're taking the industrial approach where we're just like very, yeah. very focused on efficiency. We we high five when we can boost the conversion rate. Let's just say we boost yeah. it from 2.4 to 3%. Congratulations, 25% improvement. We're geniuses, but we ignore the 97% and what's happening in that population of the 97%. Some of them are just like another crappy email, swipe, delete. But there's some of those people in there that are unsubscribe. Abuse complaint. If you're a superhuman user, not only can you block that rep, you can block that entire domain. That person is no longer reachable by anyone one in your company today or forever. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. there's those people we all love that. Cause I know you're a LinkedIn guy. Like we've all seen that post where someone, if they're polite, they'll blur out the face and the name, but they'll say, can you believe this crap? Right. Yeah. And then there's the other negative word of mouth. And so I'd caution anyone who is in a niche market that has a, a limited total addressable market. You got to know that in that 97%, you are burning down opportunities that you haven't planted or harvested before you ever the, have the chance to, to plant or harvest it. And so we just need to be careful about what we're doing uh, because not only are people making these decisions, increasingly algorithms are going to make these decisions for us. You and I, Colin, let's just say you have a lot more LinkedIn connections than I do, but let's just say we were connected to the exact same 2000 people just yeah. to pick a, a number. 
We both log into LinkedIn at the exact same time. Your feed is going to look different than mine. And your feed is going to be based on whose stuff you've liked, whose stuff you've commented, exact same people, but it's going yeah. to all come in a different way because of the way that we've behaved against it. And so we are fooling ourselves if we think we can drop someone into a 14 touch sequence, run it automatically and, um, and expect not to have negative consequences when they don't engage with any of it because it's not targeted or relevant. The machines know that that person 14 times through their behavior said, I don't care what this person has to say. This person is not interesting to me. What they're sending is not valuable to me. So the person has made that decision, but the machines are going to increasingly choke your opportunities to reach that type of person ever again in the future. And if you're right. blind to that, you are not set up for success tomorrow. Yeah. And, and even on the flip side of that, if you're chasing likes and comments, which so many, it's so easy to fall into that trap. And I've definitely fell in it to, into it myself. Agreed, it's human psychology. Right. And you're posting content that's, you know, entertaining, engaging, piquing people's interest, but not the right people. That's hurting you. Right. Like, yeah. And this happens a lot in the sales world. Like salespeople are supporting salespeople's content. And if you don't sell to salespeople, that is not serving you at all. It's working against you. Yeah, it might feel good, but you're, I see that all the time. One of our early markets years ago uh, was real estate. And I would see that all the time. Now their preferred platform at the time was Facebook. And I would see it all the time. It's just this echo chamber effect of like, I don't think I see any buyers or sellers in here, you know, yeah. and I see the same thing on LinkedIn and, you know, at some level it's a sense you can build a community and you can, um, you know, get tricks of the trade again. I think a lot of people are promising or expecting to get the silver bullet or the magic pill or potion or whatever. And that, again, it doesn't exist. The best people on LinkedIn, in my opinion, no matter who's following and engaging are the people that are doing what you did, Colin, which is I had an idea. I put a little framework around it. I did it this way for this amount of time or with this many people. And I did it that way for that amount of time with that many people. And I came to a conclusion for myself. And until something else tells me to change, I'm going to do it this way. And when people share that stuff, like that's interesting. And that doesn't mean, oh my gosh, I'm going to do exactly what Colin does. And I'm only going to use video on the first touch. It just yeah. means that's interesting. It's inspiring. Gosh, I should probably be testing some of my own assumptions based on the way that I'm consistently behaving every day. Like that stuff can be good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, and, and I think it kind of goes back to like, you really, you really got to question what you're doing. You got to have your own experience. There is no silver bullet. What works for, you know, you, Ethan may not work for me. You know, we target different people. And so for me to think like, you know, somebody else has the answers that I'm, that, that I'm looking for that are going to work for what I'm trying to accomplish is silly. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And so, um, there are tell lots me, of ways forward. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So I, I want to spend a little bit of time. Tell me tell me about the book. What, what can people expect in the book? Uh, let's dig into that a little bit and then let's let them know where they can find the book. Awesome. Thank you. So the book is called, and it's on my wall because the publisher, Fast Company Press, was nice enough to send it send me like a framed version of it, but nice. um, it's called human centered communication. Subtitle is a business case against digital pollution. Um, our first book. So I, I co-authored it with my longtime friend and team member, Steve Passanelli, our CMO. 
And um, our first book, Rehumanize Your Business, was kind of like the what, why, who, when, and how of video emails and video messages. And in this one, we go much wider than video mm -hmm. email and we go much deeper into human connection. And we approached it with a few like absolute truths um, that we wanted to recognize and work through. One of them is that in the future, we're going to be doing more selling and serving and connecting and communicating in digital, virtual and online spaces, not less. No matter what happens with the pandemic and cultural acceptance and willingness to get together face to face with people, no matter what happens over the next couple of months, a couple of years, we're going to be doing more of this digitally, virtually and online, not less. That's a fact. Number yeah. two, these spaces are no noisier and more polluted than ever before. And the noise and pollution will only increase. That's number two. Number three, our default, and we all already hit on this, so I won't explain it. Our default go-to is visually and emotionally impoverished in these spaces, faceless typed out text. It's not good enough. So with this in mind, what does that draw out? It means that it's going to become more and more costly to remain visually, emotionally impoverished, to fight against the tide of, of noise and pollution. It becomes more difficult and expensive to get attention. Therefore, we have to value it more uh, in order to build trust and to create engagement. And ultimately, we need to be known and respected and appreciated by knowing and respecting and appreciating other people in order to get mm. into that positive growth loop that promotes relationships, reputation, and ultimately revenue in these digital, virtual, and online spaces because trust is harder to form and trust is more fragile in these environments. And so we sought to take that on and we roped in 11 experts to help us. Um, a listener to a podcast like this would probably recognize uh, some of their names. I won't go through all 11 of them, um, but they include uh, several sales leaders and sales experts. It includes a marketing futurist from Salesforce. It includes the sixth employee and first salesperson at HubSpot. Uh, it includes a three-time LinkedIn top sales voice who is a video uh, prospecting uh, master. We got an emotional intelligence expert with seven U.S. patents in the analysis of facial coding data. And um, gosh, I'll give you one more. Uh, uh, some This woman is awesome. Her name's Julie Hansen. Um, she was in a sales role and then a sales management role and looked around one day and felt like she didn't feel as confident as everyone around her seemed. So mm. she thought, how can I get more confident in myself? And so she decided to take acting and improv classes and eventually became a professional actor while still doing some selling, had roles on Broadway, had a role in Sex in the City, which is a classic HBO show. Um, and now she teaches people to use classic acting and improv techniques to be more effective in all of their sales motions, but in particular on live video calls and recorded video messages. So we roped all these people into this. And so the, the opening chapters, we break down digital pollution, what it is, how it costs us all, whether we're creating it or not. It is a costly phenomenon that tears at social fabric and again, damages trust, um, even if you're worthy of trust. You're not going to get the benefit of the doubt tomorrow like you did yesterday in these yeah. spaces because, you know, on the far end of pollution, we have cyber attacks, phishing schemes, ransomware, malware. Is this link safe to click? Is this email actually right. says it's from? All this other stuff. 
Then we get into human-centered communication, which I, I don't think we have time for here, but I would love to have that conversation. And then we get into these individual profile chapters with different people and their perspectives, their philosophies, their strategies, their tactics, and how to connect and communicate with other human beings more effectively when we're stuck in these limited digital, virtual, and online spaces. Is a live call like this that we're doing right now in an awesome platform called Riverside better than doing it blind over audio alone? Yeah, it's definitely better, but it's not the same as you and me sitting across the table from each other with like nice microphones doing it together in person. Right. So how can we close that gap and, you know, get done all the things we need to get done knowing that we need to operate in these spaces? And so um, and then we close by making all the people in chapters talk to each other strategically. Where do they agree? Where do they disagree? Then there's another chapter on kind of the tips and tactics. Where do they agree? Where do they disagree? Fun fact, there is some disagreement about virtual backgrounds uh, in video calls <laughs> and video messages. Yeah. And yeah. then the last chapter is a look to the future, which starts very dim, um, but then ends very hopeful. Um, so we're not, nothing in this book is saying, stop doing this, start doing that. It's, it's let's restore the balance and start putting people in their proper place. If you're designing systems, processes, messages, and experiences in order to engage other people, we can't leave all of that to assumptions and automations and efficiency. We need to start balancing some effect effectiveness. We need to start thinking about the people before we design all these things, mm. if, if it's designed to serve them. Last thing, I do draw out the relationship between environmental pollution and digital pollution, and I'll end on this kind of back and forth between the two. Just as poisoning our air, water, and soil, we're poisoning ourselves, when we poison and we pollute the digital, virtual, and online experiences of our potential customers with lazy, selfish, untargeted, unsolicited, irrelevant stuff that doesn't put their needs and interests first, we're only diminishing our total addressable market. We're only diminishing our target yeah. lists. We're only hurting our ourselves ultimately. And unlike environmental pollution, when companies foist pollution out onto the public and oftentimes don't have to pay for it, you are paying the cost for what you're doing um, and all of us pay the cost for it too. So anyway, that's that. Uh, I'm really excited about it. I'm excited to get it out in the market, to get some feedback, to get some pushback, to get some discussion. I think there's a lot to be done here. The more conversations I have around it, the more I realize that we're just using our specific language and filters for things that a lot of people are thinking and feeling. Um, and, and even you reflected a lot of that too, Colin, in the way that you talked about video. Yeah, well, I'm excited about the book now. Um, so I would love to know where can people get the book? When is it available? Give us all that good stuff. Awesome. By the time this thing releases, you can get the book. The book is called human centered communication, a business case against digital pollution. Uh, you can learn more about it at bombbomb.com slash book. It's just B O M B B O M B.com slash book. You can check it out, uh, by searching it Amazon. Of course, I did create a LinkedIn page for it. It's just called human dash centered communication. So human centered is connected by a hyphen. Um, I've got a bunch of the content. Like, of course we did deep interviews with these people. So I'm putting up clips there and other things to kind of yeah. bring the, bring the message to life a little bit. And uh, so it's, course, it's more than a book. It's more of a movement, dude. I, it absolutely, it is. And I know this is insanely ambitious, but <laughs> when I think about the absolute very best case scenario, I think about what, what HubSpot did with inbound marketing. If you think about when they released that book, Inbound Marketing, and what that meant at the time, A, it was much bigger than their product. 
I mean, they were a marketing automation platform at the time, but they were talking about how to do all this stuff. Hey, you know how we've been doing it before? That's not going to get us to where we want to go tomorrow. Inbound is the way. Here are its principles. It wasn't even about their product, which, by the way, speaks to evangelism. And here we are, you know, more than a decade removed from the, the, the onset of that movement. And it's evolved. It's taken on its own life. It's getting into employee experience. It's getting into customer experience. It's way beyond the bounds of a sales CRM and a marketing automation platform and their, uh, their kind of customer success platform, all of which is freemium. Their freemium model is an extension of the inbound philosophy. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't suggest that, that we have the reach um, or momentum that they do. But I hope that in its own way, we create some positive change in business culture by gathering these voices, publishing them in this beautiful physical package. You can also get it digitally. Um, and, and just starting a conversation about it. So anyway, I appreciate you using the word movement. And we did try to make the book an experience uh, as well by bringing uh, some of the people featured in the book onto live sessions where people can interact with us and them and all of that. So I love um, that you even created some space for debate. Absolutely. I mean, because I might just a lot skip to, right past everything and start there. <laughs> there is a lot to be settled here. What does this mean in real yeah. life? Right? Like this book is not like all high level moralistic again, stop doing this, start doing this, do good, stop doing evil. Everything is gray. And it's been a theme in our conversation here, Colin, is like, there's no one right way to do it. We just want you to think about it differently. And all, by the way, throughout this conversation, there here's how some of these other people are doing it. Here's how some of these other people are thinking about it. Here's what they're actually doing about it. Here's some of the outcomes that they're enjoying. Um, and so you can take inspiration for en- from any or all of those people and make some of these ideas your own. Yeah. Well, awesome. Ethan, thank you so much. We'll drop the link there for the book uh, in the show notes so people know where to get it. Um, and really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, you're, I can feel your passion through the screen. So, and I think this is probably the longest episode we've done. So there's tons of value in here. You might need to listen to this episode twice. If you did enjoy the episode today, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. Uh, it really does help us out. And as always, we're listening for your feedback. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free. Salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad, and I might even give you free access to our best templates.